You know, Danny? We should do that podcasting thing again that, you know, we did, like, forever ago. I know, it was so much fun. It was an escape from everything. My two loves. Comics and Cody. Alright, and, um, <laughs> so about that podcasting, you know, it, theoretically, we were going to get caught up. We would need to record, like, what, three episodes in one night? I don't know if it's humanly possible. We're not normal. We're not humans. We got this. That's right. Let's do it! You are now listening to Crosses on Infinite Comics. I'm Danny Rushing. And I'm me. I need no introduction, Danny. I am the star. I am the sensation. I am the phenom. Phenom? I need no introduction. Cody. That's right. But they already knew that. That's right, because when they hear the sound of your voice, their hearts fill with hate and rage. And shrivel and die, as per my design. What do you love, Cody? A lot. I love a lot. What do you love, Danny? Oh, that's right. You love everything, regardless of how horrible it is. That's not true. That is not true. 100% complete true. Until I opened your eyes to the terribleness of Barry Allen, you were all for it. I opened your eyes. You know who I don't love? Who? I don't like Kyle Rayner. Well, we're going to get into that later tonight on... Alright, well, you're getting a special treat this time around because we're not only recording this episode, which is, of course, our review episode that was supposed to be out last month. Sorry, uh, guys. You can't blame Danny again. Uh, well, you know, they can blame me all day long, but at the end of the day, who do they love? Me, because I'm always right, and I lead them, and they are my sheep. I don't like sheep. You're my sheep, too, obviously. You're here doing a show with me. Anyway, um, and then we're also recording, we're going to have a special guest who's actually in the studio right now, uh, but she's a little microphone shy, so she's going to not talk throughout this one, I think, and then she'll be back. You might hear her giggling a little. Um, Yeah, sometimes she just can't stop laughing. (laughs) And Danny just turned into a gigantic black man. That could be racially offensive. How? (laughs) I didn't say anything bad. You just turned into a gigantic black man. I could be Jeff. Who? Jeff. They don't know who that is. Um, Anyway, we're also going to be recording uh, a couple more episodes. So you'll be getting lots of content to make up for our absence with all the technical difficulties, scheduling difficulties, not wanting to do a solo (laughs) show difficulties, and everything else that came along with it. Uh, but for this week, we'll be re- we'll be reviewing the Last Stand of New Krypton, issue number one, Superman six ninety eight, 
there's a little bit of a change up in the Batman lineup. Since we're going into the return of Bruce Wayne, we are reviewing Batman and Robin 11. If you noticed in our last episode when we reviewed Batman and Robin 10... Like two months ago. Why, why do you have to pour salt <laughs> in the open wound? It's not like I already feel bad enough about everything. But no, no. We're three. We're two months late. Six podcasts behind because okay, Danny okay, won't get okay. up. All right, all right, all right, all right. Batman and Robin, as you recall, we reviewed ten, and we're kind of moving into that because it's leading into the return of Bruce Wayne. Also, in other old news, we'll be covering <laughs> Blackest Night, Green Lantern Fifty Two, and um, of course the conclusion. The conclusion that you've all been waiting for. That's brand spanking new. No one's had a chance to read it yet. Not really. Blackest Night, number eight. Now, the reason being that we're... Does this sound oddly familiar? <laughs> that the reason that we're not, you know, that has been such an issue with this is because, as most of you all know, as Cody's ragged me for in previous episodes, That's what I, I live in another state. Because he moved, and now he's miserable. Yes, but, but besides the point that I'm miserable... I accidentally left all my comic books in Louisiana. Which and meant I had to go buy some that he was supposed to bring with him today. I, um, I left my copies of Green Lantern and Brightest Day. Luckily I already had Green Lantern to myself. And I um, I gave my copy of Superman 698 away. But you already had that, so... I, I didn't hear that story. <laughs> um, oh, he... He gave it away to our special guest, <laughs> the Mistress of Giggles. Man, don't pick one like this. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, but, so, we've got it all taken care of, and you're in store for probably the best episode yet. Until 45 minutes from now. Exactly, when we record the next one, which will be even better. And then the next one, set a tear above that one. Yes. Alright, well, uh... Since we're trying to move through this rather quickly, we're going to go ahead and jump into Superman, Last End of New Krypton, number one, part one, Invaded. What? Oh, man, I thought it said murdered. No, Invaded, Danny. Shoot. All right, uh, James Robinson and Sterling Gates are the writers. Pete Woods is the artist. Blonde is the colorist. Why are all the one-named people working on Superman? And why do they all do colors? I don't know. What was it, Wi-Fi or Hi-Fi? Hi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Wands is the letter. Andy Kubert and Brad Anderson as the cover artist. Um, Marco Mars and Rod, Rod Reese as the variant cover. Uh, Will Moss as the assistant editor. Mike Idelson as the editor. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and... Joe Schuster. Of course. All right, Danny, why don't you take this issue away really quick like... Get you reacclimated back to the format. <clears throat> it opens up. Firstly, and go back to the cover. The return of Rodney Dangerfield, man. You know, he looks more like Sylvester Stallone in that picture than Rodney Dangerfield. You're right, I could hear him. Burn <laughs> <laughs> But you see all these Kryptonians flying towards this giant head, which is Brainiac's ship. Which all of a sudden has a mohawk. Because mohawks are cool. Haven't you ever had a mohawk? No. No, Danny. I haven't. I have had a mohawk. And thank God that's in the past tense. So, first... And then it has no mohawk. 
It's got a little mohawk. Oh, it's a little mohawk. See, okay. it's, it's like little. Okay. And then it's going to grow. All right. So you got the giant floating skull that sort of looks like it's modeled more after the face of Cyborg Superman meets Doomsday because of the design of the ship. Mm-hmm. And, and the, um, if you haven't been keeping up with any of the Superman books, then here's what's going on go right now. Go back and listen to our other podcast. No, because Adventure Comics... Yeah, this one. But yeah, but they've all kind of been building up to it. That's true. I mean, if you just read um, World of New Krypton and the very last issue would almost lead directly into this. Well, yeah, if you're just reading the limited series. But if you're actually following through the weekly and monthly books that come out... God, who follows weeklies? In a sense, if, you follow, if you're following... <clears throat> the header of the comic books, Last Stand New Krypton, yeah, we but are. I don't. I, I but we are, though, because... But I follow the ones that I follow. I don't follow all of them. I will admit I did get Supergirl, though. Because it was part two? Yeah, Supergirl was part two. Adventure Comics is part four. Mm-hmm. So, it all starts with Last Stand New Krypton. Number one. The right. Lodge. What? Number three. I'm sorry, that was a... <laughs> that was a reference that nobody probably got. Anyway, continue. <laughs> all right, so it's you see all these Brainiac drones. I got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the Brainiac joint drones drones are just like destroying and murdering people. Huzzah! Women, children, babies. You gotta get rid of those babies first. <laughs> I am the. I'm going to hell for that. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> you already live in Morton. This is true. And for those of you who didn't know where he lived, now you know. That's right. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> All right, so it's got this huge half two page spread. Shows a woman and her baby. I, the reason I say half two page spread because the top part. You see how it's halved? Yeah, I, I got you. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's, it's two pages divided in half. Yeah, I got you. I can't, no, I got you. I was I was looking at it because I actually did not notice that. Okay, <laughs> I, wasn't I felt, like, I felt completely and utterly retarded just then. <laughs> All right, well, we have been reviewing this for ten minutes and we haven't got past the first two pages yet. All right, so you you got this inner monologue from General Zod talking about how he's never accepted defeat. Nah, that's a lot coming from a guy who just spent what two thousand no, no, years. No, no, no. You are confused. He is saying that he is, is no stranger, stranger to defeat. defeat. My bad. You think that I hadn't read this book in a month? <laughs> I never would have thought that. Continue. All right. Continue, sir. So he's talking to Ursa about how defeat has made Krypton stronger. <laughs> yeah. Coming from a guy who has spent. How many thousands of years trapped in the Phantom Zone? Many, 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 many. For crimes against Krypton? Many, many, many. Yeah. Wait. We didn't do it. We didn't do it. We mentioned it. <laughs> All right. Son of Jor-El. Kneel before Zod. Two crunches before Zod. One before Zod. Two before Zod. And then we're back into the issue. All right. We almost broke tradition. Yeah, we did. Because I said General Zod... And nobody went General Zod, and we didn't do the nil before thing. That's all right. We got it. We got it. We, Moving on, we're still in the first three pages. So you got all these superpowered beings 
running, not fighting back, but running from these drones that are shooting what appears to be tiny chunks of kryptonite. Well, that, that's that's because Kryptonians are like pansy-ass Daxamites. That I'm sorry, that was a joke, and Danny looked like he was going to like strangle me. Daxamites and Kryptonians are We've nothing already... alike. Except for they get power from the yellow sun. And... They, they have a lot of similarities. <laughs> no. All right, Danny, continue. continue. I'm going to stop interrupting. I'm sorry. And that's what makes this thing so great is the I, fact that we can say that to each other and not hate each other at the end of the day. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was unaware how this worked. You were? Uh, but anyway, let's get, if I keep going at this rate interrupting you, I'm never going to, we're never going to finish this issue, which means we won't get to the one I'm excited for. All right. <clears throat> so some of the Kryptonians are attempting to fight back, and you can tell by the way they're dressed. Most of them are wearing their different council and everything robes. That was air quotations for those that can't see it. <laughs> That's right, because this is a video podcast. Um, so they're ripping these drones apart, but there's still blood everywhere. People are dying. And all General Zod can talk about is how he's going to conquer Brainiac. It didn't work thousands of years ago. It won't work now. Nope, because... Sometimes you have to outsmart an enemy. Which is when you need Batman. Yes. There's nobody on that planet that can outsmart him. Nope. Except maybe... Still say it. Continue. <laughs> Alright, so... General Zod is in a safe room observing everything that's going on via holographic imagery. Of course. That's what generals do. Yeah... And here's an ad for the rise and fall of the Green Arrow. Which sucks, by the way. Aww. I'm terribly disappointed. Um, and then the next page is more, more generals on Ursa trying to figure out what's going on. Drones are attacking. They're fixing to kill a small woman. Man thing? Child? It's, it's a child. It is a child. <laughs> It is a child, I think. No, wait. I, th- I don't know. It's a hermaphrodite. Let's go. All right, and then, bam! Guess who shows up? Ronnie Dangerfield, man. Dun, 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 dun. No respect. And he rips a droid in half and picks up it. It. <laughs> and they're just, they're trying to um, eradicate all of these things from New Krypton. They've isolated Brainiac's ship. But it appears to have the same type of force field that it had when it attacked Earth last year in comic book time. Yeah. Now, not in, in in like the time of the comic book, but where we were at last year. Yes, yes. We, we, we got you. And, um, that's when Paul died. That's when Paul died, <laughs> yeah. Moment of silence, John. Yeah. Moment of silence. Completely interrupted by me as we continue. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> we already know this. All right. So General Zod is attempting to um, use the most advanced, dangerous weaponry that New Krypton has to eradicate the ship. Of course. What else would a good general do? Yeah, because he doesn't care about all the the, uh, Kryptonians that are flying towards the ship. That are going to die when he zaps it. Of course not, he's a general. He's a heartless bastard. (laughs) So, General Zod kills 
lots and lots of people. But you do you do have these really dramatic things where it almost makes it look like it worked until you get to the bottom panel and you just see all the the Kryptonians and stuff falling out of the sky and the ship is still there completely unscathed. Yeah. To which Rodney Dangerfield man looks extremely pissed. Which, by the way, Rodney Dangerfield Man is apparently the persona that Clark Kent slash Superman slash Kal-El is apparently taking on in these limited series that they're running. That was a car horn. Alright, so he storms into the command center and just proceeds to rip Zod for everything that he's worth because every life is precious. You know, we all know the story of Superman. He doesn't kill, especially not his own people. That was that's been removed from context. Okay, all right. I was gonna bring it up, but uh, I won't. I won't. You already have I, right here. All right, my well, soul. Let's all continue. right. So he's he's reaming him about how Zod has no clue on how to what. Nothing. Go ahead. How to defeat Brainiac? <laughs> I just don't like the idea of of uh, Superman reaming um, General Zod. You know he doesn't take no for an answer. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Thank you, Brad Glenn. Continue. (laughs) So he he denounces his rank in the military and throws his shield. No, he didn't throw it. If he threw it, it would have went through the floor. Possibly. The whole planet is Kryptonian, though, made of Kryptonian metals and everything. Well, obviously their buildings have been exploded before. They've been building explosions in this thing. So. Alright, so he calls him an arrogant fool and storms out. And someone asks, you know, what happened and what he's going to do. And he says, that's Kal-El, nothing. And then immediately, he rips off his general, you know, his commander's uniform. And underneath is his Superman uniform and he says, this is a job for Superman. Superman. Now, the thing is, his commander's costume was... I mean, the uniform is real tight. And everybody always asks the question, where does he keep his suit? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not concerned with where he keeps his suit, because it's skin tight as well. You can Where's put it on the cape. Where does the cape go? That's what I've always wanted to know. Like the Highlander swords? Like the Highlander swords. They just pull them out of their ass. Alright, so Superman flies up towards the ship, and random other, you know, members of the House of L are showing up. There's Allura and she's flexible. Supergirl. And, um... Okay. Uh, anyway, if, if you don't know what we're talking about, you, you need to find that picture. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty nice there. And they're talking about how this is no random attack and how these drones are being specifically targeted where they're attacking. What, what moron would think that Brainiac was just randomly attacking? Supergirl? She says it. She but why? So was her mom, but her mom knew what was going on. Now, granted, her mom actually knew Brainiac. This is true. <laughs> so, they're all flying off. They're destroying drones. Superman is attempting to beat through the shield. And then... He remembers. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. He has one one-thousandth one one of a second after he gets the shields around to one side to loop around and go in the back. Which, of course, he is just fast enough to do. Barely. Barely. But, but he is faster than a speeding bullet. And faster than molecular structure transfer? Possibly. Apparently. Well, he's not Barry Allen. 
<laughs> I will hurt you. <laughs> so, <clears throat> everybody's looking to General Zod for guidance. And the news that Kal-El has uh, resigned is traveling fast. General Zod suggests that um, Brainiac has no intention of bottling Kandor again. That he wants to exterminate the Kryptonian race. That makes sense. I don't know. I'd put him in a bottle. You put him in a bottle? Yeah, then I would just... See, I would put him in a bottle and then I would stomp on it. With large things, then you could just get them all. See, Brainiac is is he he's intelligent, but he he has stupid plans. And yeah, from the looks of this entire comic book, I would have thought Michael Turner drew it because Supergirl's boobs Zing! get p- bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the comic book. Yeah, and that was <laughs> when Michael Turner when he drew the um, Jeff Loeb Batman Superman Supergirl book. From the beginning, when she was naked, all the way to the end, they just got bigger and bigger and bigger. So, I don't know what they're feeding them on new crypto. Zing! <laughs> Alright, there's a lot of gruesome deaths. Those drones are just... I, I especially like the guy that's dead getting held by his head. Yeah. I, I, like I don't think one. he's dead yet. See, that's a look of fear. Well, that, he may have just died with the look of fear. You know, so... Either way, he's about to die. Yeah, he's, he's gone. There's no saving him. And then the Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Bad Heroes comes in. Connor's a member of the Legion. Well, every uh, every gray cloud has a silver lining. Yeah, it's usually lightning. Yeah, well, you want to get under something metal. In, in this place, it's Connor. <clears throat> Everybody else is terrible. So the Legion shows up. I'm glad you agree with me. And there's a, another Monel. Now, see, I'm fairly certain that Brad Glenn is going to rip me a new one for dissing the Legion. Oh, yeah. So I'm, fairly, I'm fairly certain he was a Legion fan. So they're they're helping defend everybody, and they eradicate most of the drones around the council chamber on New Krypton. And then what does Zod do as they're all talking about helping? Zod proceeds to have them arrested. You know, he sends Kara away, sends Alara away. Which they don't know, and then he arrests them. Hey... Yeah, so Legion rested. Because Who, who's the big yellow and purple thing? You know, I don't follow Legion either. Well, there's this big yellow, purple, guppy-looking thing yeah. in a space helmet. and Every time I look at him, I'm going to go, Go on, go fishing. No, see, I, I picture... Um, do you remember the Herculoids? Yeah. A mixture of the big guy and the little yellow putty people. I can see that. <clears throat> and then we cut back to Superman. Who is walking through. And when I say walking, I mean walking like any Kryptonian does. Smashing through everything. Yeah, you exactly know. like a mindless brute. He's not a mindless brute. Well, he's no Dean King. So he... <laughs> wow, it took him like a whole like second, second to catch that. And then he's just like, and hey, what the hell? And then he believes he's found Brainiac. And Brainiac proceeds to tell him in that cold robotic voice. He wasn't hiding from him. And then he zaps him. We need sound effects for this podcast. We do. And then, so you've got Superman being doused in kryptonite radiation that was fired from a weapon. 
Held by Mr. Lex Luthor. Because who else would be there to be the thorn in Superman's side? Exactly. And, and I have to say, Brainiac, Luthor team-ups... Are awesome. Always awesome. Always. Even though they end up, you know, kind of fighting each other. Which is usually what screws them up. They have victory within their grasp until they... Nyah! At each other. Um... Because Brainiac is a 12th level intellect, and Luther wishes he was a 12th level intellect. And Luther is just... Luther's had more success than... Than Brainiac? Yeah. Uh, they work better as a team. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that is the end of this issue. Uh, now, if you want to follow that story exactly from that point, you'll have to pick up Supergirl number 51, which we are not reviewing, because as you know, if we reviewed every book we wanted to, the show would never end. It would be the show that, that never ends. ends. It would go, go on and on, my friends. Some then people... you'd never get to hear it, because we'd never stop recording anyway. We rarely stop recording now. In fact, I mean, we have recorded for a month. I'm talking about the, la- <laughs> the last episode... Cody's like, and I'm not going to stop recording until you go out and buy this book. And then he, like, three seconds of us talking about how we're not going to stop recording. Then he remembers that this is a podcast, not a shoutcast. <laughs> and that nobody is leaving their computer to go buy the comic book because they can't hear us talking yet. Hey, I want to do a shoutcast, though. That would be amazing. I would shoutcast every day. And then there's So if anybody wants to donate money to a, uh, you know, a charitable shoutcasting equipment fund. Crisis on Infinite Comics. That's right. Send me an email. I'll give you my PayPal information, though I doubt we're going to get donations. And no. That's just fine. This is a free show. You yeah. don't have to pay anything. We don't want anybody to pay anything. As long as you enjoy listening to us, that's all that matters to me. But, once again, uh, well, we'll get into that in the next one. Uh, now we're going to move into Superman 698. I'm going to also let Danny, since Danny is a... Uh, a Superman fan? Yeah, he's a Superman fan. I'm going to let him cover these. What are you doing? Are you rubbing it? He There's really likes stuck. this one. No, he really likes this issue. He just he Do can't that. stop rubbing it. Oh, that's horrible. Anyway. I'm sorry. Alright, cutscene. Cutscene? Yeah, this is this D&D is, now. This is not D&D. Alright. <laughs> it opens up. You see most of New Krypton, the city of Kandor, burning. Boom, 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 fire. And there's a floating giant head with tentacles. It, looks like it appears to be escaping as many, many like drones leave the ship <laughs> heading towards it, the city. It kind of looks like it's taking a poop on Kandor. Yeah, with it's people. It's like, get out of my belly. It doesn't have a belly. It's a big head. It might have a belly. Anyway. All right, and then you hear somebody ask, did uh, we have did, a... Did, did, did we cover who wrote Drew and did all of this, Danny? Or are we launching into it without giving credit where credit is due? The splash page hasn't happened yet. But we cover that first regardless. The splash page is in the end, dude. Well, I know that, but we do that first because we'll forget it. <laughs> Barry Allen flashback. Where is it, Danny? He's a looking. All right, sorry, two pages there. All right, you cover this one. I got the last one. All right, this is Superman: Last Stand of New Krypton, Part Three. Destiny. It actually looks like Destiny. It was written by James Robinson, and uh, the artists were Javier Pena and Bernard Chang. Blonde was the colorist. <laughs> John J. Hill was the letterer. Julian Lopez and Bit. <laughs> Bit? See, I told you. I told you. It's the Superman titles that have all these one-named people that are like Cher. With Santiago Arcas as the cover. Will Moss was the assistant editor. And Matt Idelson was the editor. 
Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Alrighty. So, pretty much how this opens up. The head with the pooping people, flaming city. Yeah. And they're trying to figure out a death toll, and they've determined that upwards of 11,000 Kryptonians have been killed. Is it just me, or did the uh, drones suddenly gain an egghead that they didn't have in the other one? Well, you know, evolves. Indeed, <laughs> so his, his drones get larger heads from issue to issue? Yes. All right. All right. So, a tenth of the population of Krypton has been killed by Brainiac and General Zod's doing his thing. I, I have to say something about this drawing of Zod down here at the bottom. Is it just me or does he have like a huge upper body and some little bitty ass legs? It doesn't like that. I got a big head and little legs. <laughs> you mean uh, from well, yeah, Meet the Robinsons? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't think this plan through, Master? I can't run. Anyway... So it talks about how Brainiac isn't their, you know, their, it's not one of the lesser threat. It's their biggest threat because Brainiac has bested the people of Krypton. Over and, and over and, and over. over again. But yet somehow he could never conquer Earth, which is astounding. That's because... Because Batman's on Earth. True story. That's not a true story. That is a true, a true story. Oh boy, I can't wait for the next episode. It's going to be great. Oh, y'all are going to team up on me. All right. So, we got Superman, who has been weakened by kryptonite radiation. And is being tentacle hentai raped. Um, <laughs> if you've ever watched hentai, that's what's happening to Superman right now. Where you've got this huge-ass brainiac. I know. This is like the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze version of, of brainiac. Freeze in hell, Batman. Yes, I went there. I hate you. No, you don't. Don't ever bring that movie up again. So I can't say things like... Ice to meet you. Yeah. No. Oh, okay. No. no, sir. So, you know, Superman's not been in his own title consistently for quite some time now. Mm-hmm. Ever since he abandoned his home planet that raised him to go to some planet that he shouldn't even give a flip about. You know, you didn't have to go there. Uh, you went there with the, the, the bat nipples and the freezing hell. I didn't man. say anything about bat nipples. No, but you brought it into my <laughs> mind, okay? At least you don't have Super Bastard, the asthmatic that can throw pianos. That's how bad that movie was, okay? What are you talking about? Superman Returns. What about it? <laughs> you know, the little kid that had the dead fish look in his eyes the whole movie? <laughs> Baby. <laughs> <laughs> what? Who's baby? Superman. Oh, I thought you were talking about my baby. I'm like, I ain't got no baby. Yeah, it's, really yeah, baby. it's your baby, Danny. <laughs> so, so anyway, back to back to Superman getting tentacle hentai raped. So you've got the Luther Brainiac team up. Yeah, which I'm, I'm not digging. Uh, pink is not Brainiac's color. Oh, come on, pink and green go good together. Yeah, if you're a skittle. Or in a uh, sorority. Are there pink skittles? Alright. Yes, there are pink skittles in the tropical. Indeed. Alright, so you got Superman. And Brainiac inflates from panel to panel. Sort of like Supergirl's <laughs> boobs in the last book. Yeah. Alright, so Luther is just uh, trying to convince 
Superman that he has had absolutely nothing to do with what's going on right now. And he is full of crap. Of course he is. Because he can't even keep a straight face. Alright. So you've got Superman questioning Brainiac and Luther while he's not in any position to do anything. You or see to... how his teeth are barred like that? Yeah. It just went in him. Don't say that. Alright. Brainiac proceeds to spill what bit of electronic soul he has to Superman and says that when they first met, he hurt him. But not his punches. It was the fact that he made him feel emotion. Yeah. That makes absolutely no sense to me at all. Because I could just I could just see that working in a Batman title. Batman, I hate you because you made me feel emotion. Whap! <laughs> He's like, I'm going to break your jaw and make you feel that even more. Batman's like, that emotion is called pain. And fear. And that's really loud. I'm sorry about that. There's some jackasses apparently riding the street today. Don't worry, they're going to get pulled over in about three. I doubt it. Brandon Morton. But that's 100% fine. I'll just find them and slice their tires later. So, Brainiac has created this, like, super snake thing that has these little barbs on it. It sort of looked like the thing they From torture. Well, it's, I, that reminded me of what they tortured um, Princess Leia with in A New Hope. Because uh, of the I way would, it looks there. I would say hentai. You'd say hentai? Yeah. I don't watch a lot of hentai. I do. It's awesome. So, Cartoon porn is the best. <laughs> so, um... Superman is uh, attempting probably to get raped, according to the, these two people around you him. You are offensive, Danny. Continue. And Monel is flying towards the ship. Go, Monel. Fly. Find Superman. Is he thinking that to himself? No, he's being talked oh, to. Oh, that's right. The guy from the Legion. I was about to say that. That would be odd. He's like, go, Monel. Fly. <laughs> so. He'd be almost as terrible as Spider-Man. He does it exactly like Superman did it. And gets in. Except it seems like he gets in with a little more time. Yeah. It actually it doesn't even look like he made the contact with the shield. Mm-hmm. He just flew in the same hole that Superman put there. But he Superman didn't actually put a hole in the force field. No. He just distracted the energy flow. And right. Around but Monel doesn't do that. He just <laughs> goes in. Now. Well, that's because Brainiac's probably distracted. Yeah, that's true. Alright, so people are talking to my Ellen's head, you know, Coco from the Legion. Coco. Coco. I had a dog named Coco once. I did too. I had a rabbit named Coco too. Alright, so Monel gets in and there are all these. And he gets attacked by monkeys. Yep. Big, gigantic monkeys. Now. He's not really, he's not really being attacked. The vo- They are talking to him telepathically through Coco. And they no, won't. No, no. Yeah, they are. No. No, the monkeys are not talking to him telepathically through Coco. Then that is the other is, bottles? That is the other bottled cities. Oh, my bad. Because they continue to beg him to help them. And, and later in the issue, he has the one of the bottled cities. But anyway, it's not the monkeys. They're then about... why does Brainiac have monkeys? Why does Brainiac have monkeys? Big, gigantic, mutant monkeys. <clears throat> so... Oh, Brainiac, I need some lube. It cuts back to Clark 
And Brainiac and Lex. Who Brainiac has swollen up a little more. Yeah. I don't think he can take much more. His suit. It's so too tight. tight. <laughs> Good thing he's a robot because he doesn't have to breathe. Um, and then you see angry Superman. All the veins in his teeth. Veins and blood and guts and motif. And his eyes light up and we all know where that's going. And then we cut to Monel and the I beaming some monkeys and fighting some monkeys. Why? Why does Brainiac has since when has Brainiac <laughs> kept a pack of monkeys? Actually, not a pack, but a, when the Brainiac was first shown, he oh. had a pet monkey named like that. No, and it was a tiny green monkey. I actually want to think its name was Coco. Well, those are some gigantic white gorilla fanged monkeys. I know gorillas aren't monkeys, but still, you know what I'm saying. Alright, so the, this telepathic city is talking to Monel. They're Minothian. Yeah, they're trying to convince him that he needs to save their city. Now, for those of you who haven't read anything, um, now Monel is being attacked by. By the Uber Green Squad. Yeah, they, they look like. Some of them look like green humans, and the other ones look like albino scrolls. If you pay any attention to Marvel Comics, you know what a scroll is. They got the weird head and the big ears. They, they look like Albano scrolls. I'm not going to touch it. So they're, they're all trying to stop Monel. But and of course they cannot. And then we cut back up. Oh. So he's frying the little snake thing that's trying to probe onto his head. And he says, I'll stop you. I'll never give in to you. And he... Bursts free of his you bondage. I'll never stop trying. And then he breaks free and has his really cool Superman pose moment. Yeah, that you know, that's when you hear the the sound, the John Williams soundtrack playing. In your yes, head. yes, you do. Very much so. So all these beings are distracting Monel while the other ones are trying to kick the shit out of him. And um. They're all screaming for help. Yeah, you just see the little bubbles of the the telepaths. Help, please, Monel, help, help, help. Help, find us, please, help, 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 help. Monel, 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 please help. I think that's exactly how it said it. Cody just read all of them. (laughs) I sure Um, did. So, Cody, did you like this page? It shows how dirty Lex Luthor is. Uh, Actually, I really like this page. This is probably my second favorite page of this entire book. I like it. Now, how does it show how dirty Luthor is? Alright. Luther's not dirty. Luther's not he's, dirty. A, he's a good guy. He's a hero. He did more for Metropolis than anybody. I'm bullshitting you. Alright. <laughs> Everybody, squeeze the sarcasm out of your computer speakers. Put it in a tiny cup and drink it every morning for breakfast. It'll make you better people. I'm just saying. So, Superman is destroying more probes. All of a sudden you hear... <laughs> Continue. Oh, Superman. Let's stop this now. And he turns and he looks. Before it gets messy. And Lex Luthor has pointed a gun at one of the bottle cities. It just happens to be the bottle city that's telepathically communicating with Mon Hell. Well, who's to say that Brainiac wasn't catching on to that and allowing it to happen for a specific reason to draw them both in? That's true. 
Because Brainiac is a telepath. And this is Brainiac and Luther here. They think. So, Luther is fixing to shoot this weapon because he knows that uh, Superman is not at full power because he's still experiencing the side effects of kryptonite poisoning. And he also knows that he's a Boy Scout and won't do anything while Luther has a gun trained on that city. Oh, he will attempt to stop it, but he gets resubdued by the drones. Because Because he just stands there, because he won't make a move, because he knows he's not fast enough. Alright. So as he lets himself be resubdued, he's like, Always your mistake, thinking I'd ever honor a deal with you. So he cocks the gun. And right as he's about to pull the trigger, laser beams through the wrist. Through the wrist as Monel flies by and grabs the city, leaving Luther in a really awkward position going, Raw! And then you see my favorite page of this entire comic as you flip over. It's the full page spread of Monel beat up with the fucking city, and I dropped the F bomb that we're not supposed to drop. Anyway, excuse that. Uh, holding the city. Got a little excited. Cottonmouth. This is probably the. <laughs> Greatest page in this book. If I even if I hated Monel, which you do. Oh wait, no, you don't because he's only half bags of mine. I forgot. So you got Monel holding the city, thinking to himself. He said he can't explain the feeling in his gut, the feeling that my destiny, part of it anyway, why it's on Earth, just came to pass. He was supposed to save that planet, and boy, is he tired. And Superman starts going to town, and then you see Brainiac call for more, more, and then you see a bajillion, apparently now super drones, because now they're red, which makes them better, and then the last page, you see Clark and Mon just ripping through these things, laser beaming them to death. Ripping them into pieces, fighting for their multicolored spandex lives. Yep. To be continued in one week in Adventure Comics number nine, which we will not be reviewing. But I've heard it's pretty good. Is there anything you'd like to say about Adventure Comics number nine? No. Okay. Hopefully she'll be over that before we get to. You know. You know that. You know, what she just did reminds me of. What's that? Remember in um the Fifth Element. Uh huh. When the um. Chris Rock was playing the little like Prince wannabe and he had the microphone and he could put it in Bruce Willis's face and he'd be like yeah <laughs> yes alright we are moving on to Batman and Robin or Batman versus Robin part 2 Boneyard uh, of course this was written by the great the amazing the awesome the stupendous Grant Morrison surprised you'd have something to say about that uh, He's great for Batman. He's great for everything. Not everything. Name something. Justice League One Million. What was wrong with Justice League One Million? It started slowly, but it got great. Anyway, Andy Clark was the penciler. Scott Hanna was the inks. Andy Sinclair and Tony Avina colors. Patrick Bruzo. Bruzo was the letter. Janelle Siegel was the assistant editor. Mike Martz, editor, covers by Frank Quinley and Andy Clark. Batman created by Bob Kane and Mr. Bill Finger. Even though he's not credited in this book, he will be credited on this podcast time and time again. We would not have the Batman we know and love without him. Now, Danny, would you like to start this issue off and then we'll move into this one together? Because I know you're as excited about this as I am. I am. I'm really looking forward to the return of Bruce Wayne. Almost as excited as I am. 
Of course, I went on like a 45-minute rant on a comic review last week. About the return of Bruce Wayne. About the return of Bruce Wayne. So, in order to stop myself from doing that, I'm going to... I'll help you cover the issue, but I'm, I'm going to try not to jump too much into it. This is the Danny episode. Wow. I guess it's because I've been gone so long. Exactly. He gets the Danny episode. Alright. Well, this scene opens up with um, what appears to be a burned perfect... Like, if you took the angles of it, it's perfectly symmetric. It's perfect symmetry. There, I got it out right. Symmetrical? So, yeah, symmetrical. Woo! Never work at Domino's Pizza. Ever. If any of our listeners work at Domino's, you know what I'm talking Grow about. Grow a brain. Get out while you can. Get out. Escape. And don't move to another state to work at Domino's. That's even stupider. Yes, it is. Okay. But it's... It appears that he's been whipped, and um, he puts on his what appears to be. And he got a scourging. Scourging. Yeah. Oh. It, 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 it absolves me. It absolves him of all sin. And from the decor and the way everything looks, it appears to be a um, a fairly big household. There's a clergyman there. I would even say it's probably a church of some sort. Yes. And he calls him Padre. He has a, a priest collar mm-hmm. on. So, he's been... Ab- whoever this character is has been absolving himself of sin. And he's got a W carved into his back. And he says, walk with me, holy man. Your Christ will protect you from the bullets of our enemies, surely. He asks with doubt. And we come on over, and we see the DEA moving in on the on the place. So it's it, no, it's wrong. It's not a church. It's just a big house. You know who that is, don't you? No, I don't know who that is. Come on, look at this. Look at this right here, and look at that. Think back to R.I.P. Okay. Yeah. It's the glove. Yep. And then there's a prayer in Catholic. I mean, in Latin. In Catholic? <laughs> Catholic is its own language here on Crisis on Infinite Comics. I need to move back to Mississippi. <laughs> I'm sorry, if we have any listeners in Louisiana, get the hell out. If you are born and raised there... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, you need to get the hell out. I'm not saying move to Mississippi. That's right, because we don't want those retards moving here. Oh, God. Cody, why? What? They're not retards. Not all of them. not family friendly. That was retards, not family friendly. Okay, all right. My mama called me a retard all throughout life, and I'm perfectly okay. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. Let me amend that statement. If I can't understand what you're saying because you're from Louisiana, then don't move to Mississippi because I don't want to have to deal with you. If you're intelligent enough Mm -hmm. to speak and you're a really cool person, which there are some really cool people in Louisiana, just few and far between, so then come on over. If not, go to Arkansas. Home is William Megan. Don't even go there, dude. Alright. Oh, we are too opinionated. Or I am. We both are. You're right, I'm just the vocal one. Alright. And, um, so there's, got, all these people are talking about Going home. Going home. Which is Gotham City. City. Then we're going to flip on over if the DEA shoots and kills two people. And then we see 
Dick Grayson. Is who we have a big fan of here, and I will be grilling the hell out of her in the next episode. He is in those secret catacombs, and um, he's asking if uh, if Thomas Wayne, the devil, the devil worshiper, lived and died in the 18th century. How come the paint on the wall is new? Maybe within a year. Dun dun dun! Because Bruce Wayne is already back. You believe so? I do. Who else would have known about the secret Bat Cave beneath the Bat Cave to be painting stuff in it, other than Bruce Wayne? Mm-hmm. Nobody, with all the bat symbols and everything. There's also bat symbols in prehistoric caves. That's true, but this stuff is that was also him. <laughs> So you're, you're making my argument for me. Um, of course, we have Alfie, as Dick most annoyingly calls him. Uh, it doesn't apparently annoy Alfred. No, but it annoys me, and that's what matters. Um, he said there's some sort of commotion going on in the cemetery where you turn over and you see, of course, the splash page uh, with air quotations, Oberon Sexton... And uh, our little Robin, tweet tweet, squaring off against some bad looking dudes and some really bad hair. Well, that's your that's your classic, you know, non Bruce Wayne Batman villains. They're not the same badasses that Bruce Wayne can handle. They dumbed them down just a little bit. Or did they? We'll get into that later in this issue. Um, basically. O'Bron Sexton tells him he's going to beat the sod out of them. As you all know, he's supposed to be a British writer, which is bullcrap. Basically, all these people start introducing themselves. I'm fairly certain that they're just bullcrap characters that we may never see again. But they introduce themselves. They have names. They're not that important to read off, though. And they talk about killing uh, Damien and this O'Bron Sexton person. Um... Damien asks him what he's doing here, and he says he looks like he's his new partner. That's if they're both going to get out of it alive. Uh, and then, of course, they the, the faceless named people start to talk trash. Oberon Sexton basically takes one of the one or two of the guys out with a shovel really quickly, and each time he's like, "Is that so?" And he's like, your turn, as the knife falls from the guy's hand, sticks into the ground, he holds your shovel up. Because he's bad. Jamon. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then you have Damien pouncing at the guy with the two Glocks, taking him down, bashing his head on one of the gravestones, and then he feels like something's about to control him again, like you saw in the last issue when he almost killed Dick Grayson. Which, of course, Dick would have died, but he fell through the floor into the secret caves as Damien was swinging the big, huge sword. Um, But anyway, then you cut back to Talia and this machine in which she is using to control him. Uh, She connects to it, and then she kind of gives it a little demonstration. And then she wants to call in their, uh, their consultant so that he can deliver the death stroke and the figure is shadowed now now as he emphasizes death stroke i have to um to notice that i didn't notice that more than just the name how did you not notice death 
STROKE, and it's in all caps. And bolded. And bolded. I just, I didn't notice it. <laughs> well, then we, we cut back to Alfred as he's flying over the graveyard and uh, moving in to investigate what's going on where you see Oberon Sexton buffonk another guy in the head with a freaking shovel. Uh, and then, of course, he tells Master Richard what's going on. And we cut to this uh, amazing kiss. Colgate Max Fresh Mini Breath Strips salutes DC Comics on 75 years of the hero getting the girl, but they have not consistently got the girl for 75 years. It doesn't always work out. But anyway. Superman has. Has he? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll go more times than not. Anyway. We're not talking about Superman right now. We're talking about Batman, who never gets the girl. Batman has had more women in a year. Or, I'm sorry, Bruce Wayne has had more women in three days than Clark Kent could ever hope to get in a lifetime. You know why? Why? Billionaire Playboy versus, you know, Mild small town, news reporter. Well, I was going to say small town farm boy. You say farm boy like it's a derogatory term, man. It's not a derogatory term, but I'm saying billions of dollars. He smells like dirt. Eh, true. Um, so anyway, we cut back to Dick running down uh, the corpse road that he found that apparently goes underneath the, uh, the grave sites. Uh, the gate's coming down. He does his little slide under it. Uh, he finds that he's in the location where it looks like the painting of Joshua Wayne was, and Bruce had to have known about it because the mansion fell after during the Gotham earthquake, and he's wondering how they didn't know about it then. To which Alfred reveals that the other wing of the house was the only one that took severe damage. So he's not sure, and he thinks he may have to intervene on Sexton and Damien's fight. Um. Uh, Dick being Dick tells him to do what he has to do. Whereas, he can handle it all by himself. Whereas Bruce would have told him to to stay put because he would have been there in a flash. He tells him to stay in contact. Looks like something's going on down there. Whoa! He sees a big bat god carving from the ceiling. Is it a carving? Well, I would assume so. He says it's a stalactite carved to look like a half-human. Now, I know Dick Grayson isn't the greatest detective in the world, but I'm fairly certain he can tell a stalactite from a person. You'd think so. Um, then Alfred goes into more detail about the, the Bat Devil. Uh, that was sent by Thomas Wayne, his cohorts in 1765. And then the signal starts to get distorted. <laughs> Dang Dick sees some light goes ahead. It's a strange energy signal. Strange energy signal. Some kind of light. And uh, then he loses contact with Alfred. Which we cut back to Damien and Oberon, who are still kicking butt. Because Damien kicks ass. Uh, Oberon Sexton takes kind of the lead guy and asks him who that bloody master is. And the guy says, 99 fiends have no master. And, uh, then the fight seems over. Alfred's circling around. You see Oberon Sexton punch the crack out of that guy, knock him unconscious. And he is able to get out the word Bar Barbados. 
Oh, and he's come classical demonology, if I'm not mistaken. And he starts to search him when Damien comes up behind him. And he says, you're supposed to be a writer from England, but something's not right. And he reveals his mother had headquarters in England. And he stayed there often and also had a gift for imitating voices. And he looks at Oberon Sexton and says, your accent is fake. So you're not who you say you are, but the way you appeared, what you just did. Are you Bruce Wayne? Dun, and then dun, you see dun. Oberon Sexton's head kind of drop a little. He doesn't say anything. The next panel, he still doesn't say anything as the lightning cracks. And then he launches back in with his fake accent about the domino killer. Yep. Honestly. Honestly. Yep. I still think it's the Joker. You still think it's the Joker? I do. Why would the Joker be trying to figure out who killed Bruce Wayne? He wouldn't be. He knows Bruce isn't dead, and he wants to kill him himself. So he's helping them find him, so that he can kill him. It would not be the first time the Joker did something like that. I saw a bit of your jump while you were changing. Oh. Oh. Cacophony. That was great. So, then of course you see Deathstroke taking the reins of Damian Wayne from the thing. He cracks Oberon Sexton in the back of the head with a shovel, knocking him unconscious, which is why I say this is not Bruce Wayne. It would take a lot more than a shovel to the back of the head from a kid to knock Bruce Wayne unconscious. Well, Damien doesn't have control over his nerves right now. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. Slade Wilson. But he's still bound by the person he's controlling, strength. It's not like Damien's strength suddenly increased. It's still his body. Yeah, but if Damien... If Slade's moving and not reacting to the pain of tearing muscles or ligaments or anything such as that, um, he can probably move. That's not Bruce Wayne, I don't think. Maybe it's all an act. Uh, and then, of course, you see Dick saying he found it. He found, and Correct. then Damien stabs him in the chest with the, the thing because he can't control himself. And then Oberon Sexton, fiends. 99 fiends are here. Now, see, actually, it might be him because it looks like he hit him, and then over here he's not having any trouble talking. There's not even any <laughs> dots, so he may be like, that motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, we see... Slade with a pole in his hand reeling back. Permission to terminate. And then next in Batman and Robin, Mexican Train. And it appears to be Damien with a broken shovel. Oberon Sexton pulling his mask off. And KKK. (laughs) I think that was the Thomas Wayne drawing from the devil called putting on what looks like a... uh, Anyway... Continuing on. Uh, well, Danny, I just realized something that we totally forgot, and we should probably go back and do it. What? We have not rated these books yet. Alright, so what are you going to give Last Day of New Krypton number one? 3.2. See, I, I, I give it a three Rodney Dangerfield mans out of five. <laughs> All right. What about Superman six ninety eight? That's got it's a three point eight out of five. Easy. It's a, it's really good. Uh give that one a three point five Brainiac droids. That's not a lot of Brainiac droids. Yeah. Batman and Robin number eleven, Danny. Wow. This this series. 
Batman and Robin is the best series running in comic books right now, period. And I'm not just saying that as a Batman fan, I'm saying that as period. Batman and Robin is the best thing running right now. Would you agree with Brandy? She shook her head yes for those that you couldn't see her. No, nobody can see her but us, Danny. Um, well, see, all right, I'm going to give this one four shovel bonks on the head out of five. Even though Oberon Sexton only needs one shovel bump on the head. Well, apparently, he needs, apparently uh, yeah, he knocked a lot of fuckers out. <laughs> you did it again. I said it like four. They're just going to have to deal with it. They don't want their kids listening to it. They cannot. Aw, I like the fact that kids can listen to our podcast. Dude, they haven't been able to listen to the last three episodes of our podcast. <laughs> all right, we will do our best to cut it back. All right, we're, we're going to try to take this back family-friendly as much as possible. All right, but I have to give that one a uh, 3.9. It's pretty, pretty great. Pretty rad. All right, well, now we're moving into the book with the best cover of this month, and that would be Green Lantern 52 with White Lantern's Sinestro. I don't I, I like the variant cover for this one that I saw today. See, I think he looks retarded. He's, like, doing the Hulkster thing. What you gonna do Brother. when Sinestro Mania runs wild on you? Not feeling that too much. But he's shattering, a, in, in the variant cover of this one, he's shattering a Green Lantern and a... Yellow Lantern. That he is. And in this one, he's just in his all-white Lantern entity glowing glory. Yes. Alright, take it away, sir. Alright. So you got all of the... But, you're doing it again. Did you read... Yeah, we did on the other one. Yep, we did. Yes, sir. Alright, we have Christian Alamy, Doug Mankey... Rebecca Bushman, Keith Champagne. He has a nice name. They did. And of course, of course, I'm sorry, Jeff Johns is the writer and Doug Mankey's pencils. We all knew that already. Uh, Randy Mayer, Gabe, Elftabe. Uh, I was going to say Eltrib. Is that an R? Yeah. Or an A? Well, it kind of looks like the A in Mankey. <laughs> oh, well, Gabe Person. Uh, and Carrie Strachan? Strachan. <laughs> did the colors. Rob Lay for letters. Mankey Alamy and Mayers for the covers. Shane Davis, Sandra Hope, and Barbara Chardo. Chardo for the variant cover. And of course, we have Adam Schlagman as the associate editor. And Eddie Berganza. Eddie Berganza. His name sounds like a party. Braganza. Now, what they don't what they don't list in any of these books, and I've noticed, they don't say who created the Green Lantern. They sure don't. Would you like to fill in a little bit of trivia? Well, it depends on which incarnation, because the actual Green Lantern was created by Bill Finger. Mm-hmm. But I think Hal Jordan was done by Gardner Fox. So. Uh, All right, Danny. All right. Take it away. Starts off about 10,000 feet above Coast City. Coast City. Where you've got various lanterns of all different colors and varieties fighting back the hordes of the Black Lantern. Black Lantern. You going to sing everything after I say it? Yeah. I think it has a dramatic effect. So. I haven't said I hate anything today, have I? 
<laughs> yeah, he did. Did I? The fall of the green light. Uh, green uh, that's awful, though. Damn it, Bobby. <laughs> Alright, so you got Jon Stewart intercepting a message from Hal Jordan. Help, help, I'm a poacher child. No, it doesn't say help, help, I'm a poacher child. <laughs> it's like, uh, he... Um, John asks how what's going on down there because apparently it got everybody's attention because they diverted away from the lanterns and they're flying straight towards Earth. Bum bum, and um, just the whole everybody is. And you see this gigantic tentacle formed by these black lanterns. There's so many of them. And a planet. And a black lantern planet, which John Stewart destroyed. Yes. And felt really bad and almost committed suicide. And then the Marshman Hunter said, Do it. Or don't do it. It's your choice. And then he didn't do it. So. How told. He would have been remembered for something. How told John that it, it wasn't a, a, a what. It was. A who? A, a big shiny light named Sinestro. Of course it was Sinestro. Sinestro is awesome. Sinestro is great. Sinestro is the man, even though he has a horrible haircut. And an ego the size of uh, Jupiter. Whoa, wait, wait. You're talking about ego and you're pulling for Hal Jordan? Hal Jordan quite possibly has the largest ego in the DC universe. Uh, I don't know. I think Batman's pretty egotistical. Batman's not egotistical. He's just right. Okay, see, <laughs> see, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You can have an ego when you know you're right. That's, see, that's not an ego. That's confidence. Hal Jordan has an ego. He's not always right. No, he's not. He hasn't been right once in Blackest Night. Yet. <laughs> it's over! <laughs> no, it's not... Because if our listeners only know what they know about Blackest Night by listening to us, it's not over until we do that one. That's true, which is coming up after this one, which we need to go ahead and get through. Alright, so Sinestro is blowing shit up. Bum, bum. Like, he's, he's wielding this white light of creation massively. It's yeah, he made it bigger than it was. He's wielding it massively. Don't be a... So... <laughs> Sinestro is seeing things that he's never seen before. Never noticed before. His brain is like processing everything from the beginning of creation onto where it is now. And he's the center of it all and you just see him like killing Black Lantern after Black Lantern after Black Lantern after Black Lantern. They all fall before the might of Sinestro. Single-handedly, he is doing more damage right now than Hal Jordan and all of his potsies could do the entire freaking series. Yeah, what happens to Zanesha? Oh, yeah. We're getting there. Okay, so he sees how everything evolved, how there was the the birth of the white entity. If you listen to our last podcast, you know that they discovered the white entity of creation because Necron played Doctor... Or, t- or seven-year-old sicko with the Guardians and cut various organs out of their bodies and place them together. Frankenstein. And summon the white entity. So, the white entity was born and created the primordial waters and, and made life throughout the universe. And then as that life evolved, you know, the different species of, of the spectrum of light appeared. The first one that had the will to move became... Ion. 
which is a big whale thing. Yeah. Seal. Dolphin. It, it's not whale, nearly as cool shark. as you think it would be. No, it's not. <laughs> it's kind of creepy, actually. It's like a winged shark whale like, beast man pig. Man bear pig! <laughs> so. And of course, next you have Parallax Fearsborn. Yeah. Insectoid. And love ignites into existence. And oh, 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 all this is taking place in a garden. Not all of it. Well, except for Ion, who burst out of the water. Mm hmm. You've got, you know, you got the little plants and the bugs. And you around. have the serpent with the tree with the forbidden fruit. And, and then you've got blood on the wheat. And then you've got hope and avarice and everything. And then you see Sinestro, look out! And you see all of the entities and all their uglified glory. And some of these things are not nearly as cool as you would ever have hoped for. Like Ion is probably the goofiest looking thing on the page. <laughs> it's like, it looks like Dr. Tran. Dr. Tran! But you have Sinestro, this two-page spread. And he says, we live. And then... No! Necron's voice right there. And there's another Dante's Inferno two-page. sick and of seeing... And he rips it's cleaved in half. Yeah, pretty much by the scythe from shoulder to chest. Just all the way <laughs> down. Sinestro just stands there. Never defended himself. He gets he yeah, he, he literally gets his head cleaved in half all the way down to his pelvis area. That sucks. Sinestro was doing so good. Yeah. Everybody looks concerned. Hal looks like he just lost his best friend. Because he's a two faced Hal isn't all right, and then you've got the the planet Zanchi. Well, you, and, and you and then you just see like Sinestro with this white light shooting forth from his split body, and they're telling everybody to go see if they can help Sinestro. You know, you got your your passive lanterns like Indigo and Saint Walker, and Zanchi attacks the planet, shooting <laughs> forth this huge beam. Mexico City by a John. I don't think it was aiming for Coast City. There's a huge tidal wave. In which the the Green Lanterns start to deal with as quickly as... Well, not just the Green Lanterns, but the, all the Lanterns begin to deal with as quickly as possible. And there's just a few pages of them doing that. And then what happens, Denny? Alright, they use the rings to try to, to determine... What happened to Sinestro? Because he still hasn't fallen over yet. And it's still no, he's just sitting there, pouring out this white light. And and the the they can't heal him because the rings sense no wounds, trauma, or biological damage. Boom. And then you see, of course, you see the Black Lanterns about to take them all, grabbing Hal Jordan. You cannot delay this any longer, Hal Jordan. And then, what in Mogo's crack is this? Yeah, that, that's a, a nice quote there. What in Mogo's crack is this? That was Guy Gardner. It was, and I hate him. Was it Guy Gardner? Um, I think so. It might not have been. Because I would actually dare say that it's Kilowog. It could have been Kilowog. You know, Kilowog's pretty straightforward. Exactly. I like Kilowog. So all the lanterns that are in the core of Zanchi destroy its core. Connection severed. 
the entire planet disintegrates. And then, yeah, see, guy's not even with him. Wow. I, I was, I mean, that was a uh, kill And you see the lanterns flying forth. And then you hear, Necron looks like somebody just grabbed his. And of course, you start seeing all the black lanterns connections, every connections, every connections, every connections, every connections. And then you see, whoosh! As white light reignites within Sinestro. And then, apparently, Zanshi's splattering everywhere, so they're building frameworks over the place to kind of stop it. And then you see Thal Sinestro of Korgar live. And then he says, Lantern, stand aside. I've been reborn. Boom, boom. I am the true guardian of the universe. And you see him leaping forth with the white entity, the entity of white light. And then, to, to be, be concluded, concluded in Blackest, Blackest Night, Night, Night 8. Next week. But, you don't have to wait till next week. <laughs> next week was like three weeks ago. <laughs> You know, and I can rag you all day, but the people that pick this podcast up and listen to it as back episodes would never even know we missed one. That's true. But I know, so I'm going to continue. So now what we have here is the, the, the culmination of all the events of Blackest Night. Blackest Night number eight. Now, I want to talk about this cover for a second, because this is the lamest cover of all the Blackest Night titles so far. Well, if you notice from the beginning, they just got a little bit worse. No, 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 no. Okay, from no. about halfway through. Okay, because halfway through, they were at their peak. But this one just, it, it seems kind of sloppy in comparison to the rest of them. Yep. We almost didn't get this book. And I was going to have to review this one by memory. By memory, and that would have been grand, wouldn't it, kiddies? Because I read it three weeks ago. Alright, well. Alright. Blackest Night. The conclusion. Dun, Jeff Johns wrote it. Jeff Johns. Ivan Reese, Ivan Reese was a penciler. Claire Albert and Joe Prada were the Joe anchors. Prado. Alex Sinclair was the colorist. Nick J. Napolitano was the letterer. Napolitano. Is that how you say that? Yes. <laughs> Do you not know who Nick Napolitano is? No, I don't. Wow, Danny. Napolitano. Adam Schlagman. Schlagman. I like his name. Schlagman. I think I've said that before. You have. Schlagman. And Andy Berganza was the editor. Berganza. Now this cover, this this book had two covers. It had the cover by Reese Albert and Sinclair, and then there was an alternate cover by Doug Monkey, Christian Alamy, and Randy Mayer. And they had special thanks to. Oh, were you still reading that? Tony Avina. Tony Avina. Who did this cover? Uh, this is the Ivan Reese. Is, yeah, is Ivan the... Reese O'Claire. Yeah. That looks like Ivan Reese probably took a back seat on this one because that does not look like his work. Not at all. All hey, right, and I'm gonna let you cover this one. All by your lonesome. I'm just gonna sit back and I'm gonna enjoy the podcast. Really? Yes, sir. You're not going to sing? No, sir. I'm not going to sing. Not going to add anything? I might. But we'll see. We'll see. Alright. It starts off. You got... Hal Jordan. That's his name. Yes, it is. You got Hal Jordan. Um, inner monologue. He's like, the truth is, I am afraid of one thing. 
Batman. No, not Batman. He, he's afraid of getting close to people. Because, yeah, he's, a, he's, a, he's afraid <laughs> to get close to Batman's fist. Because, like the Black Hand said, everyone will eventually die. And this is a really good quote, because most people only know, like he says, most people only know the beginning of it. It says, a poet once said, Carpe diem quam minimum credula postero. That's nice. Which meant, seize the day, trusting as little as possible in the future. That's sort of morbidly depressing. <laughs> but most, like, he's going through about how most people only know seize the day. They don't know the rest of it. Cool and, page right here. Yep, it's the, uh, the splash page. Savior of the universe! And he is Kicking fighting cramp. a Necron toe-to-toe. No, he's not toe-to-toe. He's kicking and cramp out of him. And it's that's got Ivan Rice written. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah, totally. I've seen more white in this book than I've ever seen in a Green Lantern book or yeah. any book. Pretty much any book, except Zero Hour. That's because it had six pages of white. That's because they were lazy. I think it was put there for dramatic. Six pages for dramatic effect? Yeah. No. No, one page of solid white. You don't need... Dan Jurgens pa- was a genius. And six pages of plain white were stupid. Well, you know who you know who was the artist for that? I, an artist drew blank pages? Yeah. I can go pick up a sheet of paper. It's already white. I'm an artist. I can do comic books. I can do those white pages. Like a pro. <laughs> like a pro? Like a pro. Like a boss. Alright. So, they're debating all the different lanterns and Ganthet are talking about the sheer power that Sinestro possesses at this moment. There's nothing short of godlike. And he's talking about the annihilation of Necron would be the end of Abensir's mission because if you've been following the Green Lantern book since Jeff Johns took over, he has been all about some finishing what Abensur started. Mm-hmm. So, pretty much, Sinestro rips out Necron's heart. Dun-dun. And the Black Lantern rises and says, Necron, rise. And Necron is reformed. But, because you can't kill death. Or can you? Can you? So you have the combination of all of the different lanterns until, as you know, Larflees and Lex are going to uh, the fight over which one of them has the uh, the power. Of course, and you can see Barry, Barry fake Blue Lantern Allen. Yeah. Apparently, it's what? got a costume change. Yeah, looks like. And and everybody keeps hearing, and the moment is fleeting. It's just all it keeps playing in their head. As are your lives, as he pimp slaps Hal Jordan. All right. So, Hal Jordan's what's left of the family that he's got are like hiding in their house, looking out the window. Uncle Hal always say kids. No fear. So you've got Black Lantern somebody calling Mira a tramp. 
or I don't know. Who is I believe that would be Black Lantern Mara calling someone a tramp. I mean, Red, La- Red who, Lantern. Who's the blonde? She's like decapitating with her fire from her face. I have no idea. Insert nameless person here. And then you got the the undescribable language because yeah, Ronald and um, apparently she said something about backup being there, finally. And then you see... Like, one of these super highly detailed pages that Blackest Night has become famous for, where there's everything going on at once, and you have to look at it for about 30 minutes before you can take in the entire scene. Yep. It's nice. Oh, there's Kyle Rayner. Yeah. Guy Gardner. Duh. Black Lantern Dinah. Dinah. Power, Power Girl. Girl. Power Girl facing off with Black Lantern Superman over there. Uh-oh. He might give him a little gropey grope. There's Wally. Aren't they related? No, different different universes. They're not blood-related on this one. Still a little creepy. There's the man right there. There's Wally. Starfire. Pretty much everybody that you've seen in Black as Night nice in this picture. Even Alan the Old Man Scott. The Huntress. Yep, pretty much everybody that's been involved in Blackest Night. Dove. Except, well, I don't see I don't see Dick Grayson anywhere. Nah, he couldn't make it. There's Venom. <laughs> uh, he's in the wrong comic book. He got lost. Yeah, he got lost. He's like, oh, crap. Fuck this. This don't happen. This don't happen at Marvel. <laughs> There's depth here. I have to escape. All right, when they all focus their rings, the ring welders anyway, Onto all of them, I, it looks like seven hundred billion rainbows are attacking one person. Yeah, this guy's getting attacked by the Skittles commercial, and Boston Brand is popping through people, bloop, bloop. explaining things about how the rings work, and he tells them that they, in order to stop Necron, they have to remove the tie that he's using to stay in this world, which would be William Hand. William Hand. And Guy Gardner has his one moment. Hey, Skeletor, beware our power. Yeah. And he says, no lanterns. Beware mine. And then he rips... Rips the entity out of Sinestro. And here we go with that usual DC fudging things up right at the end. An amazing series, and then they're going to go with a much more stereotypical, stupid resolution. This is my problem with DC Comics. They start something out, it is amazing through the entire series until it gets to the end, and then what happens? It's predictable. Like, the one thing that caught me off guard in Blackest Night was, holy crap, they let Sinestro become the White Lantern? Holy crap, nobody saw that coming. That was like a WTF moment. And now, as you're going to hear in the next few pages, it's all going to boil down to what I thought in the beginning was going to happen. Wah, wah, wah. You're just a Sinestro fanboy. No, I'm not a Sinestro fanboy. I'm not saying that this is horrible because they took the entity away from Sinestro. I'm saying that this is horrible because they're going to a freaking... A stereotypical resolution, and it's it's horrible. 
So basically, what happens is all the the people who had died, who had died, ever been resurrected, all of a sudden become White Lanterns. So you've got Wonder Woman, Superman, Superboy, Hal Jordan, Donna Troy, Kid Flash, Oliver Queen. Uh, yeah. This pisses me off. It's like they had such a great, unique angle going toward it. And then what happened? What happened, Danny? What happened? They took something that was unique and made it stupid. Stupid. Yeah. Alright. So how Jordan goes on a rant while that why those people became the White Lantern Corps... Because they chose to live over choosing to stay dead. <laughs> and then the white entity bursts free out of the mall and starts calling out random names. Which include William Hand. The Anti-Monitor. All right. The Anti-Monitor live. The white light resurrects the Anti-Monitor. Now I don't know if this is necessarily a good idea or a bad idea. Because the Anti-Monitor is very dangerous. So, you know, you got Black Hand throwing up because he is um, dying. And then the white light says Necron. And it says, let there be light. Let there be light and you see him blah. Yeah, he like explodes. And there's white lantern rings flying everywhere. And all these names get called off. Amon Tomaz. Jenny Lynn Hyden. Digger Harkness. Bleh. Your turn. Ronnie Raymond, Hank Hall, uh, Maxwell Lord. Could it get any worse? Eobard Thawne, Carter Hall, Kendra Saunders, John Johns, Arthur, Arthur Curry, SpongeBob Man. Aquaman has the potential to be a great character. Potential. And then the, the last one is the biggest shocker of them all because you didn't know by. You didn't see this one coming. Because I didn't see it coming. And it's still stupid. Boston Brand. And then these pages fold out into this really awesome thing that says live and has all of the reborn peoples. All twelve of them. All of them. Which is which is kinda cool. I mean this is this is unique, I guess. It's cool. And you got you got Aquaman and the Martian. Still, Aquaman still needs a costume redesign. Standing front and center. Well, I, I don't really think I'd call that front and center because look who else is standing up there. Uh, he doesn't count. He's front and center. You know, these two are in the middle because that's where the page is. Still, they're not the most important. I mean, if it were me, I would switch two very big places. Keep, uh, keep the Marshman where he is and flip-flop those two. Yeah, Hawk man. So, you're wondering, are good guys and bad guys? Mm-hmm. And then everybody starts freaking out. And Mara's rage subsides and she goes into cardiac arrest because the Red Lantern had taken over her entire vital system. Because that's what they do. When the ring goes on, 
It replaces your heart. So all your blood runs through the ring. But then apparently she lives. Yeah, because St. Walker and Indigo 1 are right there. And Carol Ferris, too. Yay, Carol Ferris. Not really. So, I hate her. You hate her? Yeah. And then you can see this touching scene of Aquaman looking lame again. No longer cool as he was through the rest of the series. No longer being a badass. No longer being what the character had the potential to be, which is a great villain. An awesome villain. He was great in Blackest Night. Now he's back to Aquaman. Blonde bitch boy. And he's hugging his woman. And uh, Does it mean? Or was she much sexier? That's a red liner. I think she was much sexier with him gone. Because now he's in the picture clouding it. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to cut to random different scenes with the other reborn people. Like Kendra Making out Carter. with their other loved ones. Oh, and you've got Superman and John. And they're about to make out. <laughs> they're not about to make out. <laughs> Alright, see, I like that they drew his head right. Well, you know, that's what he looked like before he went all gonna get in touch with my Martian side. See, I don't like the whole corncob head thing they had with him. I just don't like it. What do you think? I, I mean, a little elongation to make it shaped a little different is fine, but they went to an extreme with that thing. Like, his head was horrible. And of course, you got Firestorm, who is now three people? Two. You're Professor Stein. Well, yeah. Ronnie and Jason. Well, yeah. So I wonder if they have to, like. Wonder Twin Power activate? <laughs> oh, boy. Ronnie? And and if you notice. Ever since, hands off of me. Ever since everything exploded and the white light brought everybody back to life, um. All the people that were given temporary powers by the rings have all been returned to normal. So you no longer have um, Star Sapphire Wonder Woman. You no longer have Indigo Lantern and Ray Palmer. Thank God we no longer have Blue Lantern Barry Allen. Woo-woo! If one good thing came out of this shit, it's getting rid of him. And then he just goes off into his own book, which I don't have to read. But they're sending it to you anyway. They are sending it to me anyway. <laughs> I'm very unhappy about that. You're very unhappy? I'm very unhappy. <laughs> I'm, I'm unhappy because they lie in every issue. And they'll have Barry standing there. It says The Flash, the fastest man alive. But, but Wally proved at the end of The Flash Rebirth that he was faster than Barry. So why are they lying to us? What is this lie? Why are they lying, Danny? Why? Anyway, back to Blackest Night 8. We're almost done. I'm going off on a tangent on probably one of the, the end of the biggest event of the past year. So See, we're going to rein it back in. You got, you know... Hank going all out ape crap and Dove's the only person that can hold him back of course and then Guy Gardner of all people tries to subdue Maxwell Lord which apparently doesn't work because he has that same nosebleed that he's always had and then he disappears into the mist and then Kyle and then Kyle's making out with Jade for the first time in years and then Superboy's like, Black Adam Jr.? <laughs> and Amon's like, I, I want to go home. You people are fucked up. 
I want to go home. You did it again, Danny. This, that's two for two, right? Uh, this, this is going to be a fan. This is going to be an explicit run. And of course, you have you have Thong, the Reverse Flash, and, and Digger, Digger Harkness, who gets punched in the face rather quickly. There, was that a flash pawn? Was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good like that. And then Barry is looking for Ralph and Sue. And then you hear, they're not here. Why? Oh no! Dead man. This can't be happening. And he pulls his face off. Wait. And he has a face. He has a face. And then... Larflees hurls Lex Luthor down in front of the the members of the different cores that are before him and tells him to dispose of the hairless thief. And everybody's laughing at him. And Snatcher says, you finally gave someone something, you ridiculous rodent. And then his construct laughs. <laughs> and then he says he helped save everyone. I demand what I was promised. You belong to me, blue one. And he takes a guardian for his own. He takes Saeed. Because there's only two left in them. And Saeed is now belonging to... All your Saeeds are belonging to Larflees. Yep. He's in your council taking your guardians. Because that's what he does. With teeth like that. And the anti-monitor has returned. Her immediate concern should be with Black Hand. He's missing. So is Indigo One and her tribe. Cut to Indigo One. Where they've got the black hand and some sort of chain with the symbol of compassion all over his body and burned into his eyes. And he's speaking their language. Knock. 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 I don't know what knock means, but knock. Oh, yeah. They say it a lot. Then we go to Gotham City. Oh, yeah, the best place in comic books. I don't know why on earth. I don't know why on the earth or sky. Anyway. You got Barry and Hal. Going to the grave. Of Thomas and Martha Wayne and Bruce Wayne. Yeah, and then they talk about how that Black Lantern Batman didn't recognize any of us. It wasn't Bruce. Tim Drake is right. Bruce is alive. And Barry's wondering what happened to the entity. It's urging them to break away from the past and the blackest night. Dot, dot, dot. Then you see a crater. see a crater. With a white lantern in it. Bum, bum, pow. Alright, and then you go back and you get to the final chapter of the Book of Black. Or so you would think. Most of it is written... Well, it still says chapter one. That's true. Chapter 1, verse 7, so who knows. It's written in the um, the style of the indigo speak. Yeah. So. And knock means may compassion guide you. I don't think knock means compassion guide you. That... Let Iraq tell William Hand equals my name is William Hand. Luca equals please. Wait, 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 wait. It's a translation guide. Yeah, it is. Clockner has helped me. So and if you read through this, you you find out something. That Parallax is now inside Hector Hanman. Mm-hmm. Well, we already knew that. Oh, yeah. Which is not good. 
Sure it is. That's for makes for good comic books. All right, Danny. Black is night eight. Well, what do you what do you give it? I'm gonna be really critical of this one. I I'm gonna let done. you go first. I'm gonna have to give it a two point nine. Wow, that low? Really, you think it ended that badly? It let me down. There was a lot of stuff they could have done a lot differently. And as cool as the fold-out page was... Uh, the fold-out page was awesome. That was definitely the highlight. That was cool. And, and all right, well, see, I want to give it a low score. I want to. I know I should. I have so many things to rip it about. But John Johns is back, man. Yeah, John Johns <laughs> is back. In this book, Carter, Carter Hall... Shaira. Shaira. Lots of good people came back, but they reverted to silly, stupid, stereotypical, predictable means to get there. Which, looking back on Blackest Night as a whole, uh, before now, I would have given it a very, very high score. But seeing the end of Blackest Night, the biggest event in comic books of the past year... I have to say, the ending destroyed it. The ending utterly destroyed the series for me. It's probably one of those things that I'll lock away and never read again, except when we do our Blackest Night blowout that we've already promised. There were so many loose ends that they never explained. Well, 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 they're moving into Brightest Day. Yeah. Which is the aftermath. I'm sure a lot of those loose ends will get covered. Uh, But I'm going to have to give it a three... 2.1 I couldn't do it I tried to but I couldn't it just it got to and the rest of the series was so great I've been on this podcast week in and week out harping about how great Blackest Night is how it's the best thing in comic books since I don't know when but it peaked about halfway through and from that point on it's sort of actually I would say that it peaked in the in issue 7 you would say that I would say it peaked in issue 7 and then just dropped I mean, the series kept me completely locked. Completely. I loved it. Issue 7 was amazing, and then issue 8 just... <laughs> Say it was Johnny Quest. It was bad. Did you just make a Johnny Quest reference? I did. Um, well, I mean, since uh, we're going to be releasing this podcast simultaneously with... Two the hours. next one, full chock full of all kinds of entertaining news, everything that's coming up, all the goings-ons, everything that you could possibly ever hope to wish for to hear on a podcast will be in this episode that will be released the same day as this one. So we're not going to rant on and on about other things. We have lots of emails, lots of big news about comic conventions, and all that kind of stuff. Also, free comic book day news about that. Uh, anything you want to say in closing, Danny? Didn't think so. So, we are going to say... (laughs) I'm just kidding. Go ahead. This is the first major limited series that I followed from beginning to end. And I didn't really get in the beginning until Cody said, This is so awesome. You're going to love it. Mm -hmm. And um, I love Jeff Johns' work with everything that he's done that I've read. Is that Blackest Night 8? This is is the low point. It was slightly anticlimactic. Yeah, slightly. It was extremely anticlimactic. And I know you're not listening, but I know you can do better than that. Who knows? You might be listening. You might. Uh, we we actually have been 
sent fringe requests from pretty popular, famous people in the DC. So I don't know if they're listening or if they're just randomly adding comic book people on Facebook, but who knows? Maybe they're listening. And if you are, tighten it up. We still love you, though. We still we still love you because Blackest Night as a whole was still great. It's just that ending, man. The ending. Uh, they probably I know they were probably rushing you so they get Brian's Day out there so they can make all the free comic book day money, but it shouldn't be about quantity. It should be about quality. That's right. And with that, I'm Danny Rushing, and I'm Cody Shed. We'll see you in about ten minutes when we're recording again. <laughs> Peace. Yep.